Hi, I'm Father David Dufresne, parochial vicar of St. Charles Borromeo Catholic Church in Arlington, Virginia. Welcome to the St. Charles Church Talks podcast. The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. One of the twelve, who was called Judas Iscariot, went to the chief priest and said, What are you willing to give me if I hand him over to you? They paid him thirty pieces of silver, and from that time on he looked for an opportunity to hand him over. When it was evening, Jesus reclined at table with the twelve. And while they were eating, Jesus said, Amen, I say to you, one of you will betray me. Deeply distressed at this, they began to say to him one after another, Surely it is not I, Lord. He said in reply, He who has dipped his hand into the dish with me is the one who will betray me. The Son of Man indeed goes, as it is written of him, but woe to that man by whom the Son of Man is betrayed. It would have been better for that man if he had never been born. Then Judas, his betrayer, said in reply, Surely it is not I, Rabbi. He answered, You have said so. The Gospel of the Lord. So full disclosure, I was planning to give this talk in a couple weeks, but Father Don graciously agreed to switch with me so I can go camping. But this would have been Spy Wednesday, hence the reading. And there's something kind of um, ironically delightful about that title. It sounds um, almost juvenile, Spy Wednesday. In the Anglo world, that's the Wednesday before Holy Thursday. Because as we just read, it was that day, that Wednesday, after the anointing at Bethany, when Judas spied for an occasion to betray Jesus. Dante Alighieri, you may know, put the traitors, Judas, and we might add Benedict Arnold, and the people who betrayed Julius Caesar, and all the other major traitors of world history in the lowest part of hell. So there's something profoundly sinful about this betrayal. And so why did I pick this? We'll just kind of maybe try to get into the head of Judas a little bit. Because we can be left to wonder, you know, what went wrong? Because we know he was one of the 12. He was handpicked. He got to be there for some of the highest, most privileged moments, some of the miracles, right? the teachings. He got to eat and sleep and rest and recreate right next to our blessed Lord, hand-picked. So what went wrong? We know that it didn't start out this way. Right? He wasn't always a traitor. We also know that he regretted it immediately. 
We might even say, just like St. Peter after St. Peter's triple denial. They both had this, this instant, as soon as kind of it, it hit them. Obviously, we know two very different reactions. Scripture says that Peter wept bitterly. Where Judas regretted it, went to go return the piece of silver, the 30 pieces of silver. But this regret turned into a form of self, self-loathing. He began to believe the lie that his sin was even bigger than God and God's mercy. So this turned into despair, and he hung himself. And the only other time that we have record of someone hanging themselves in sacred scripture is a great confidant and counselor, great friend of King David, who betrays King David and is filled with remorse. So there's kind of this slide of, of Judas that we also know from St. John, who was with Judas, you know, on that anointing, Judas is the one to kind of complain and grumble. That we should really be using this money from this costly oil and give it to the poor. John is sure to include the commentary. Judas didn't say this because he actually cared for the poor. Judas said this because he was a thief. So by that point, we also know that something dark had turned in the heart of Judas. That he was so avarice, either for money, or perhaps his expectation that Jesus would be the Messiah, not in the way that Jesus is the Messiah, but the way that Judas wished him to be the Messiah. Perhaps it was more political, perhaps it was more military, perhaps it was something in between. We don't exactly know. So all this is left to our speculation is, what turned Judas into this traitor, to this person who is so filled with avarice that he's willing to make perhaps the biggest miscalculation in all of history, 30 pieces of silver to betray God incarnate. I think perhaps what might haunt us the most about Judas, and in one degree the, the tragedy of all sin, is that, if we're honest, we can see elements present in our own hearts, in our own mind. These miscalculations. What we do when our expectations aren't met. When we want Jesus to act one way in our life and he doesn't. Kind of what is our response? Right? How these things of the world, whether it's avarice or lust or status, whatever, when that gets in, it can really take us to a dark place. And so there, there's something there, and, and hopefully none of us you know, will ever complete that slide all the way down, but we can see elements of ourself in Judas that can shock us, that can really unsettle us. 
but perhaps it's much easier to diagnose when we're just thinking about Judas rather than thinking about ourselves. So another un under the hood uh, confession is that most priests, I'd say the majority, right? Whenever we preach, give reflections, it's really, you know, what's been on our heart. What do I need to hear? What do I need a reminder about? What has the Lord been saying to me in prayer? So certainly th this is no exception. This has kind of been on my radar for quite some time. This idea of false calculations of false expectations. And then what is my response? And it's not always the best. This really became apparent to me. I mean, it has for quite some time, but um, this was a couple months ago in marriage prep. And just the way this was said, because it's been said in many different ways, almost in every single couple, kind of just the misuse of technology within the relationship. And it can look very different for each couple, but it's always, almost always there. The misuse of technology within the relationship. And sometimes it's individually, sometimes it's as a couple. But in this particular scenario that, that was put so poignantly, it happened to be the, the female and, and the male was saying in the, in the, the male in this relationship doesn't really use technology that much. Certainly um, for his um, age group, really not, not at all. I mean, kind of just uses his phone as a phone and that's about it, which is kind of rare these days. But he was observing, you know, when uh, you know, they're getting together for, for a date or to hang out and perhaps she had a bad day at work, she'll tend to retreat into her phone. And he said, she'll tend to lose track of time and she's not any better for that uh, use of technology. And she kind of recognizes that, that it doesn't help. It didn't fix anything. So here's the problem, bad day at work. Here's, here's the reaction to that problem, kind of retreating whether it was social media or, you know, uh, and then kind of the loss of time and that it kind of just descends from there. It doesn't do anything better. And just, I don't know what I was reading or, or maybe I had another appointment earlier that day. I'm like, that's almost exactly the same language and vocabulary that I've heard people use to describe substance abuse. Right? Or alcoholics or, or people in Al-Anon, family members of alcoholics that they'll be triggered by something bad day at work. They'll retreat into drinking, right? And they're not any better for the drink. It doesn't help anything. Now, what they were looking for isn't met or satisfied. In fact, it becomes worse. So it's kind of the parallel. And that's um, kind of the parallel I encourage us all to think about in regards to if we were to view our, our relationship with technology the way that we should view our relationship with alcohol. And I'm sure I'm not the first one to kind of make, make that parallel. But I didn't do, do the research to steal anybody else's idea. So... Um, I'm sure this isn't original, but it's original to me. That parallel, right? What, what is that relationship? And, and oftentimes, I'll think, you know, even though I'm 40 years old, I'm going on like 90 when it comes to like how kind of annoyed and grumbling I can be at, you know, kids these days. And, and just when I see people, um, you know, on a date, presumably both staring at their phone and just how kind of annoying that is, you know, when, whenever I drive and I see people on their phone driving, like I, I just have, like I channel my inner Clint Eastwood, like grumpy old man. And I think that's, that's common because just like with Judas, it's reminding me of elements inside of myself. 
When, when I see that, and perhaps it's a little bit more extreme than I see it in myself, but it's a reminder of my unhealthy relationship with technology. And I might be quick to dismiss it, say kids these days, or at least I'm not that bad, right? But I think the reason why it, it is so apparent to me, the reason why I grumble interiorly, because there's something else going on inside of me. So I'm not on any social media and I'm better for it, I assure you. But there is one thing, my desire to be responsive. And this can take the form of, you know, at red lights, in doctor's offices, anytime there's downtime to try to respond to some emails, try to re return some phone calls, to, to be as responsive as possible, to try as much as possible to get to inbox zero every single day. Obviously, it doesn't always happen. But, but what is that desire really all about? It's not bad to be responsive, right? And, and why do I get so bothered, especially when other priests don't respond? I have three right now. They'll go nameless. I'm awaiting their response. It's been several weeks. I know who they are, and I'll remember it, and I will grumble next time I see them. And I will probably have stern words for them. Right? Even people I consider friends, it's like, oh, that's just how I am. Like, I don't respond. Then don't have an email, right? Like, if you're not going to respond. It makes zero sense to me. And how am I not supposed to take that as being rude? Oh, sorry, you're not worth my time. I, I dedicate my time to responding to other people who are more worthwhile, right? So it, it does something inside of me that perhaps isn't healthy. So what is that really all about? Is, is this the, the craving of someone who didn't have the attention of, of their own dad growing up? Is, is this simply, you know, how I was raised by my mom of, of simple courtesy, so when I don't receive this courtesy, I assume it's out of rudeness? It could be all manner of things. But there's something there in me, spiritually and psychologically, right, that notices it. So just like in Judas, right, we can know those little betrayals, those miscalculations, those unmet expectations. You know, we could say, well, at least I'm not that bad. But it does do something inside of us. So onto the, the parallels there. I was thinking of, of an example um, as I was watching my, watching my weekly episode of The Simpsons. Homer was bringing his friend Apu into the bar and asked Mo, the bartender, says, Mo, what do you recommend for someone who has severe depression? Mo responds, booze, booze, and more booze. And Lenny responds, yeah, nothing like a depressant to chase the booze away. There it is right there. Right? We see it when it's on display in the parody of The Simpsons of, of how absurd the notion is, but how often do we do that? Whether or not it's like actually going to alcohol when we feel down, right? or perhaps it's retreating into social media. We had a bad day. We want a little pick-me-up. We just want to kind of numb it. So the parallel, I think, is very much there. What do we do when we don't feel good? What do we do when we're bored? What do we do when we're lonely? What do we do when we're at a stoplight? Hopefully it's not drink. In this case, the parallel is use social media to go online, to just kind of distract ourselves. Another set of parallels is, you know, it could be harmless in small doses. 
right? Just like alcohol, social media, that's the parallel, right? It could be completely harmless. It could be beneficial. It could be good, right? It can either help in relationships or it can hurt in relationships. Both can be addictive, but it can affect different people in different ways. If someone's more predisposed to certain addictions, but if people are more emotionally vulnerable, they might get sucked in a little bit more. And both can have negative long-term effects, especially if it turns into a habitual action, if it turns into an addictive chain of events. So the questions, right, it isn't like it's completely evil, obviously, just like alcohol. It can be, right, if we abuse it. Right? If we go to it to be self, self-soothed, so I'd just like to propose that. Like, what, what is our relationship there? And what do we, what do we go to it for? Like, during, during Lent is a good time to examine these things. Right? Am I able to stop? If even just the prospect of saying, I'm going to go without it for 40 days is causing anxiety, well, then maybe there is a problem there. If even just the idea of fasting for one day, if you're not drinking for one day, if you think, oh, that's not possible, you might have a problem. So the parallel, I think, is very good for a good reason. So every time, especially the next several days, kind of think about our interactions with our phones, just pretend mentally as if you were taking a drink every time you picked up your phone to go on social media. It's like, well, why? Just kind of ask yourself, what, what am I looking for here, really? What's going on internally that pushed me to that action? And then did it solve anything? Right? Did, it, did it help? Kind of that, that couple in marriage prep. And I recognized that, you know, okay, she had a bad day, but she didn't get any better by seeking out this action. So more profoundly than that, like, what are we really spying for? What are we really looking for? And what do we do when it backfires? Just like Judas, he was looking perhaps for a different form of Messiah. He made a bargain. The bargain tragically backfired. And then what? Are we filled with self-loathing or sincere repentance? Saying, Lord, I, I was... My expectations were disordered. They were misaligned. Help me return back to you. Then what do we spy for next? What do we look for next? What's the next step after kind of, oh, dang, I did it again. Why am I checking my email? I don't need to. That can wait for tomorrow. I'm not that important. They'll be okay. But what was that draw for? Okay, I cheated. I gave it. What now? So this is the tragic downfall of Judas, is that this became overwhelming to him. That he was filled with self-loathing, that he thought his sin was bigger than God's mercy. So this Lent, especially two weeks left, that we are given this opportunity to really just recommit to the Lord. To recommit to having our expectations purified, recommit to recognizing these things that can just numb us or distract us or to give us that little dopamine hit, but to recognize it doesn't work. It doesn't work in the end. And just like 
Alcohol can be a social lubricant, but it cannot substitute for socialization. Technology can be a great connector, right? it can foster connection, but it cannot provide it. Technology can be that, that bridge for connection, but it cannot provide connection. So may we resolve, especially during the remainder of Lent, but even after, not to drink at stoplights and not to give in to those urges, those desires, those bad habits that might have creeped in. We have two weeks Lent, two weeks left before Spy Wednesday, Holy Thursday and the Holy Triduum. We pray for the grace to rededicate ourselves to follow the Lord more closely. May we pray for the grace to get up quickly when we fall. May we come out of Lent with a stronger conviction and better habits. May we not use the excuse of Easter joy to go back into bad habits and to try to soothe ourselves when we are bored, lonely, or feel down. May we reject the lies that our sins are bigger than his mercy. And may we spy for the opportunities to be with the Lord and to have all of our hopes and desires fixed on him and trust him to meet all of our needs. Praised be Jesus Christ, now and forever. Thanks for joining us today. And please remember to subscribe. And if you enjoyed our show, give us a rating on the Apple Podcasts. Peace.